Welcome to Kick-Ons, the pop culture after-party for people who need just a little bit more. We're two friends, Jason and Steph, and we aren't ready to sleep on all things pop culture. Welcome to Kick-Ons, because the party's not over. The night is young, no we're not done. Party back at ours, everybody's welcome to the kick-ons. You're welcome. Welcome to Kick-Ons, the pop culture after-party for people who want just a little more. Bing, bang, bong. Sing, sang, song. Ding, ding, dong. UK, hun. Was that a harmony? Kind um, of. Charlie Puth, ask Charlie Puth, he'd know. <laughs> We haven't talked about um, Drag Race UK at all, uh, I don't think, on the pod yet. Or we have. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, well, quick um, update on Drag Race UK. It's fucking amazing. It's so good. It's the happiest show on earth. UK Hun, spelt UK... Comma. Hun. H-U-N. Is an absolute banger of a song. Leyland, we owe you our lives. So Le- Leyland. 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 He, he's like a Selena Gomez... Yeah. Boy. Yeah. 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 What a gorgeous hun. So gorgeous. Remember he was on the, like, some quarantine show that yes, we watched yeah, a yeah. year that ago? Was the, that was the one with um, John Legend. Oh, was it? And Celine De- Oh, no, wait. Oh, yes. nah. I think it was a different one. It was like a oh, the pride gay one. one. It was the gay yeah. one. And he was, like, on this beautiful piano. Yeah. But plans- he writes a lot of the music for Drag Race, and uh, it's amazing. UK hun. Do you... Like, someone today said to me, um, the Frock Destroyers, oh, what was their song? Um, I don't know, but that that song is not as catchy as Bing Bang. Yeah, UK Hun. You can't even forget. What about, um, I'm the one, one, one. Nah, Bing Bang Bong. Wow. It literally says Bing Bang Bong. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's lyrical genius. It's the new do me. <laughs> yeah. We've cracked her. Hey, listen, we are joined by the the Bing Bang to my Bing Bang Bong. You asked, and we've delivered. We're bringing it back. Oh, it's about fucking time. It's been way way too long. From Pots King Cross, Pots Point. Rush Cutters Bay, but Sydney, Australia. Rush Cutters Bay. Rush Cutters Bay. Queen of our lives, Erin Claire. Welcome back to Kick Ons. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> In my mind, I had so much more to say, and then Bing Bang Bong. Here we are. The thing is that um, we needed to like just segue past our nonsense so that we could all do nonsense together. Yeah, so I was true. waiting with bated breath just to say stuff that doesn't make sense. Like I was sitting here being like, how do I insert myself <laughs> in this situation? <laughs> <laughs> well, when you've been told to shut up, it's hard. We have silenced you. As a woman, we have silenced you. Oh, I've already been silenced so much. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. How's tracks and tricks? Tracks? Tracks and tricks and tricks. Um, so good, honestly. I mean, I feel yeah. like Australia and New Zealand are the winners of the pandemic. So I feel like collectively, like we're all doing pretty good. 
Yeah. Yeah. You guys are actually doing better than us. Well, Sydney is currently. Yeah. We're like back in some mini form of lockdown. Level three in Auckland, level two everywhere else. So Yeah. You have more freedom than us right now, I think. Whoa. All right, that's it. I'm just gonna go lick <laughs> my barista. I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> 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 what's the first thing you're gonna do once COVID is over yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm my own barista yeah I'm you just are lick myself Steph I took a tour of Steph's work the other day Supreme Coffee and she fucking made me the most divine coffee I, long black long black yeah thank it was you. so good she don't know how to froth milk but no. she knew how to <laughs> and I refuse to learn but like didn't we say like that that's going to be really great when we open our like in-house it's going to be a fake tan brand that also like offers coffee and it's going to be called like up uppers and yes. browners it's going to be amazing yeah. i've had this business idea for so long i can't wait i can't wait now we've got you on board now is the time with my love for fake tan yeah. and your love for coffee like we can change it up. Yeah. <laughs> Delicious. Absolutely. Give me a KPI. <laughs> I will smash it. I don't know what KPI stands for, but. Um, ch- kids. Ketamine, oh. poppers. Instagram. <laughs> In- Instagram. <laughs> Three months of my life. <laughs> So good. So tell us about yourself. When we last saw you on this Kick-Ons platform, uh, you were locked down. Yeah. yeah look. You had... Re- I feel like I was, like, all talk last time. I was, like, talking about <laughs> releasing music. I was talking about getting off my ass and doing things and getting over myself. I was... Uh, also in that gorgeous, like, I don't know, when was it, like April 2020, being like, so in six months I'm going to be doing a big show to a big crowd. Um, little did I know. Um, and now I am actually doing all of those things, which is really cool. So it's nice to kind of be here at this that time. Yeah. Did you find that you had to switch yourself back into work mode did you stop during the lockdown it doesn't feel no, like no I didn't I just I guess I could say that like I just reframed and refocused my energy to other things other than like big main stage musicals like I had to which was fine like I I taught a lot I kind of honed my craft with like songwriting and and um you know, writing for other people and coaching and doing all that kind of stuff that I could do remotely. And it really forced me to kind of go, okay, the industry isn't operational at the moment. We can't have venues that have 3,000 seats. You know, um, my contract for nine to five was um, postponed um, for a little bit. So I'm going to have to kind of look at the, you know, original love of my life, which is music and writing and recording and actually kind of get everything that I'd penned into the studio, which was also like really, really fun and gratifying and awesome to do. Mm. And something you can kind of do solo to a point. Well, 
you don't you do yeah. everything so yeah. <laughs> but you know a, a more yeah less people involved in that exactly process. yeah so it was good because I had I had time I had time to write a lot of stuff but I also had time to kind of realize that like creatively you kind of have to make sure that you've got something left for yourself I think I got so into the hustle and so in in the pandemic like panic mode of just trying to make money and and creatively kind of being everything for the people that I was working with and I was finding like I have nothing for myself after a really long day of songwriting you don't want to then sit and write for yourself so the pandemic was really illuminating for me about doing things that spark joy for yourself and prioritizing that as well as survival because you're always going to be in a you know in survival mode especially in this year and what's happened but it's about making time and actually setting aside things that make you happy yeah that's been the big lesson that I took away from 2020 so um one more time on that lesson Um, so just like making time to do the things that make you happy because that at the end of the day is so important money is transient success is transient it's it's a state of change all the time but if you do the things daily that make you happy you just live such a better life oh I'm already preaching we're like three minutes in (laughs) do you think it's part of um no I love it in your industry that feeling of like I need to like make as much money while I can just in case I can't. Is that the like switching that mindset that's I think it's just like you have the fear. Like you've got, you know, they talk about it on friends and it's it's literally because, you know, you're you do contracts. So you are the top of your game and then your show finishes and then, you know, unless you have other things to fall back on or you've booked another show, which is really rare to tack on show after show after show. Um, you know, you kind of have to be be comfortable with like, okay, cool. Well, you know, I've, I've had a real like inhale year and I'm going to have an exhale year. That's how I like to see it. So you, you kind of have that in your, in your brain how you, and that's, that's the trap that I fell into, which was just like, Oh my God, I have no industry. This isn't the year that I, had been booked for this isn't any of the plans or the success that like I had kind of built myself up to then reap the benefits of so I really had to double down but then I just wasn't happy you know and then you just go what am I doing this for if I'm not happy if my cup isn't full I'm not going to be anything for anyone around me I'm not going to be anything for the people that I'm supposed to be mentoring I'm not going to be anything for for like the people in my life. So it was a real like shift of like get being okay with like money is going to come and go, your bank balance will go up and down, but it's, if you're not happy, who cares? Like if I had more, I had more money in my account during the pandemic, which is wild, but because I was working so hard, I was like, Oh, I'm miserable a lot. So it's, it's really good to find and to prioritize your own happiness is, is, is a real, it takes a long time. I feel like, cause when you're younger, you're just like, I just want to seem like I'm successful. And I just want to be able to tell people all of my achievements or like, you know, tell them what I'm doing. And now I'm like, I just want to be happy. Like whatever that looks like, I, I just want to feel happy. Yeah. So you went back into the studio to like reignite something. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had so much 
And the only thing that was stopping me from recording was crippling imposter syndrome, which is chronic um, and a lifelong gig. But also just I like I I just assumed, oh, maybe it's shit, like maybe people won't want to listen to it, whatever. And I had to kind of get to a point where it was like, this is what you you are doing right now. So you've just got to do it. And and getting to the point, you know, in the process of recording and in the process of listening to these demos and creating these things that have only ever existed in my voice memos or in my apartment was kind of being able to be like, I don't care. Like if, if people like it or hate it, that's cool. Like that's on them. I just want to make stuff that I like. And if it reaches like a few people that I love that love it or it connects with one person, that's amazing to me. That's really, really cool. And I had to get to the point. That's part of like being vulnerable. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Because creatively, <laughs> they say that like the last point of the creative process, and this is where I wasn't getting to, is um everything can exist creatively like you create you create you create it lives it lives in your head it lives in your safe space but the last part of the creative process is when you put it out there and that's the only part of the process that it's subject to criticism or scrutiny and that's why a lot of like you don't want to take that final step but i had to get to the point where i was like i, I just don't care anymore like i don't have any attachment to it i don't have any expectation for it and then it's been such a freeing experience because I'm like, now it's not that I don't care. Of course, I'm always going to care, but it's just letting that go and just being like, it's going to exist and that's cool. And it's just part of it. It's, oh, you go. Do you think that's a result of like age and wisdom and obviously beauty? Uh, or <laughs> is that like literally forcing yourself to just let go? It's forcing myself. I've got a lot of like my awesome students as well to thank for that really like I was helping like rewrite their tracks and pushing them to go into the studio and then they would just say to me like hey um what are you doing and I just like I was like shit I am this big fraud like I am pushing people I'm saying stop downing yourself just go there just work with this like and you know the good thing about COVID as well for the arts I mean, and there were very little things that were good for the arts, but was that everybody was like, all your plans were taken away from you. Touring life was gone, like all this stuff. So it kind of gave you that like, fuck it. I'm just going to Instagram someone I really admire, or I'm just going to DM someone that I've always wanted to work with. And people are like, absolutely. I need to work too. So it kind of took that, um, cool kid like exclusivity away from it I found and it was just like everybody wants to work mm. we're so starved for these outlets of creativity so the collab the collaboration that was possible I think um it just kind of opened a lot of doors who did you get in contact with that you were like I could never. <laughs> Actually, two people. So my producer, Jamie Musket, or Chunky Love, as he's known on the old socials, um, he he's not only is he one of the nicest guys, like he's just such a pleasure to be around. He's so talented. He works in the kind of R&B, like pop sphere. So, but he his vocal production is just second to none. He knows how to make a bitch sound good. He works with some incredible artists like Coda Banks. Like he's just killing it at the moment. And 
we've always had a great relationship because we used to work at the same studio together and I just kind of hit him up. I asked him if he knew um, anyone like that would be good for kind of dark electro pop, which was what I was writing at the time. And he's so nice. Like not once did he say, oh, hey, I can smash that. He just sent me a list of other producers that were so nice. And I was like, hang on, like, can I work with you? And he's like, oh, yeah, man. And then we've just been working together. <laughs> and it's been so sick. And then the other person that I hit up um, on Instagram, her name is, she is Aphrodite. Um, her name's Michelle and she is like the industry photographer. She just won an Aria. She shot all of Megan Washington stuff, Vera Blue, Jaguar Johns. Like she is killing it in the industry. I haven't looked at her work for years and years and years and literally, like, I do shoots where I kind of reference her work and be like, oh, I kind of like this look. And then, you know, through COVID, I was like, well, why don't I just message her? And we organized a shoot and that's all the cover art for the single that's coming out. We did a shoot together and it was awesome. So cool. Did you style it yourself? No, she styled it, which was good. I was literally, so I just did like, so I know great. she's an incredible stylist as well. So, I mean, I was like Erin Claire sponsored by Kmart Milan. So I was like, listen, <laughs> I made a, I made a mood board and she brought so many looks because we just wanted to go with like a kind of retro, like mod look. And it was, it was so cool. And we shot it in um, my friend. Jason Winston, who's also an amazing musician um, and actor and just general amazing human. Um, yeah, he's a just gorgeous boy. boy. He's retro, retro uh, yeah. sweater. Retro, retro sweater. Oh, I mean, yes. <laughs> no one pulls off a onesie like he does. Like yeah, a, but he, yeah. Um, he owns this art space and we just kind of like went in there and like could make it look all old and vintage and it was really cool. Wow, in my head, uh, you were like you were like on in the stairs of like some royal theater or like yeah, hotel. some coffee shop. We or were something. in a dirty old share house in like like <laughs> like mm, Annandale. Um, we did a shoot there the week That's before, gorgeous. and literally like because the um, it's like a heritage building, and I fell through this piece of rotten. Well, we were just out on the balcony. We were just getting the shot, and I actually fell like the rotting wood I, I fell through it as I was like doing some kind of weird rap squat and I looked down and there was a nail doesn't sound like <laughs> it at all. All. and there was a <laughs> nail that was like three inches away from Dennis. rendering me like infertile forever so Shit. yes it was about, I looked Whoa. down and there was a nail, like, I'm talking like. The Paralympics like, almost had you. Oh, my God, and I'll never get this. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> the, um, so you've got a new single yeah. coming out. Yes. Gorgeous photos have been taken from a gorgeous girl for a new single. Yeah. Talk to us about the song. And the process. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So I was doing I was doing American Psycho at the time. And I was in a space where I'd just gotten out of an insane abusive relationship. It was crazy. Um, that was gross. 
Um, I was in a hit show in Sydney, like it sold out really quickly. Creatively, I was so fulfilled. Like it was such a great show to be a part of. Um, I I was going to the theater every night and like going through so much stuff in my personal life, but like it really was one of those cathartic experiences where I would step onto the stage for warm up and just look around and be like, I get to escape everything that I'm feeling for hours. Like it was incredible. And it was about, and I lived just up from the haze where it was playing. So I was, um, I was just sitting, just kind of like sitting at my keys and this sound, this is going to sound super wanky, but bear with me. Um, I was just like, I, I put on my voice memos cause I always forget immediately what I do. And I'm so glad that I did because the the hook is just this kind of one big cascading run, but it just fell out of my face and I never did any rewrites on it and it just kind of happened. And it was just one of those artistic processes that like, you know, and it happens differently all the time. Like sometimes you can sit with a pre or a hook or whatever and just sit there and beat it out and be like, ah, it's not the one, it's not the one. And sometimes you even like record things that you're like, oh, that's a placeholder. But this, like as soon as it fell out of my face, like I just knew that like it just felt like someone was channeling something and it it didn't come from me. Mm. But um, yeah, so the song's, the song's kind of just about what happens after you get out of something, whether it be a relationship or heartbreak and just that feeling of like, wow, I really never want to open myself up to being vulnerable. I never want to be in a relationship. I never want to be chased out of my house. I just never want to be like, so it's all about kind of, it's like an anti-love song, I guess, but it's got kind of dreamy vocals over a really dark kind of electro beat. Yeah, it was really, it was cool to write, Mm -hmm. really cool. We took a few goes um, getting the production right the first demo was really different. And then as soon as I kind of lent into the dark electro vibes, like that's when the magic happened. How do you um, go from hearing it the first time with the first production and then being like confident enough to say like, not sure we we need to keep, this. yeah, we need to keep trying. I mean, I honestly think it's all the relationship that you have with the people that you're working with. I think I respect Jamie so much. His musical ability is crazy. It's so good that I knew that, first of all, he is so chill. He does this all day, every day. Like he has no, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't married to that version of it. He wouldn't, it wouldn't affect his ego if I was like that sound palette's not quite right and I think as soon as we went in a different direction I knew that he was capable of making the things that I couldn't even articulate very well can come to life because I just how do you write songs or this song how did you write this song specifically I mean because I'm a musician like it always starts on the keys. Like it always starts with a chord progression. And usually I have an idea because it's usually just the feeling that I'm feeling. Like I usually have a kind of roadmap of like, oh, I want to write a song about how mean I am when I drink red wine or like, oh, I want to write a song about getting ghosted by this dude. Like I usually have an idea. Um, And usually it kind of happens really organically, especially if I'm feeling like really emotional. Um, But I'll just 
the melody will come out and usually like the ends of the lines will come out at the same time and then it's just piecing it together like a puzzle piece. I don't, I write a lot of poetry, I free write, but I very rarely put that to music. I, I usually do it at the same time, mm. but everyone's really different and, and it's different when I'm working with other people. Sometimes I will melodicize yeah. their poetry. That's what I do for a lot of people that I write for and with. Is it um, hard to remove like Erin the artist when you're working with other people? How much of them do you have to take on? I mean, I really like I really like writing other people's stories, but I usually encourage them to kind of go a bit further with the lyric. Like I'll usually get them to give me like a whole big lyric sheet and I'll pick the lines and the words that stick out to me and then I'll give them melodies to kind of fuse that together because I'm good at kind of adding the music to people's pre-existing ideas as well. I think it's really important as well to have autonomy over your own work. So if it's they really want to do like a co-write, they want to sing it, then I encourage them to write the lyrics because I feel like there's something that happens when you're writing, when you're singing your own lyrics, when you're singing your own story. And that's definitely how I feel when I'm singing my own stuff, which I'm doing so much more of and like at gigs, like getting up and singing my originals is such an amazing feeling because it's, it's so personal. Like it's, it's very scary, but watching people like stop talking with their group and really listening to your stories it's it's been such an amazing and and cool experience I feel like that's something you could take back through even to like playing a role in a musical as well it like gives you more just like more um like knowledge about the human experience you're like oh this is what it feels like to do this so when I'm doing this oh yeah I can take that in. no absolutely <laughs> really blase way of describing no, it I mean it sounds sense. like super narcissistic but um show me an actor who's not but like whenever I'm doing some kind of like yeah. song or something in a show usually I'm like oh how can I like put like I, I usually need to relate it to something that myself and the character has felt because that's a really nice entry point for me. Like if I color it with something that really means something to me, it just, I feel like it's different for you. Like, and, and it's about for me generally like finding what, what common factors I have with that character or whatever they're singing about in that moment. And then that's kind of, that springs everything. Yeah. With your um, single, how do you get to a point like it's it's done at the moment, right? I mean. Like you're ready for it to be out or like how do you get to a point where you're like, this, is, this is what's for the public. Yeah, release I just need the to re- Release this now. Like take it away from Honestly, me. Honestly, for me, it would have been, I would have been drowning in ambiguity for years and years and years featuring years. Like I, featuring years. I, but it was literally because the show, so um, the show that I'm doing at Darlinghurst Theatre in March, cheeky plug, um, is, 
has FBI yes. radio backing here and basically it was like what do you have to be played on the radio like what do you what do you have of your work that we can use for marketing so it kind of forced me to go all right I actually just have to release something I've got all these demos I've got all these unfinished things that I've been like I wrote years ago it's now time to release them and just let them be which I needed to get to this point I needed to get to the point where I'm like they're so I'm so not like because I've written so much stuff now afterwards, you know, I'm not so caught up in in how I feel about it. And now I'm like, I've heard this song a billion times. Like, here you go. If you like it, cool. You know, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So the showcase um, will feature like original music. Yeah. So it's part of the Darling Host Theatre. They're doing a new sessions program where they basically are showcasing emerging artists um, and, and all really, really different. Oh, oh I'm so God. excited. Remember that time you're an emerging yeah. artist? <laughs> Honestly. Um, so I have been, I, got one of my like favorite writing partners his name's Jared Jekyll he's a comedian and he's just like we stand Hi, um, he's- not only is he a comedian he is famously an actor oh. in ads what ad was it oh uh, the sneezing ad Sorry, I totally <laughs> using the wrong pronoun they are yeah. incredible <laughs> Yeah, they're incredible. They're in everything. Like the, sh- the shock of our lives. You cannot. You cannot that. open a fucking like ad without seeing them on the ad. Like, but not only like they are like brilliant and um, creative. And so we we basically wrote an hour's worth of material that has all of my songs and kind of the stories that go around it. Um, interspersed with it so it's it's I mean the working title was fuck jams you can cry to because that's really that's really like the kind of stuff that I write it's like things that kind of sound really sultry and vibey but you could also cry to them if you wanted to yeah great great uh, like at on day three of the festival when you just can't when you can't you've got no serotonin <laughs> left like you you've you're done yeah. the serotonin and you're ready just to cry but also boogie yeah that's definitely my demographic I love that and so it's is it almost like a sort of semi-scripted or more yeah like, it's got a it's got a, structure. It like a yeah there's like a little bit of a story it's it's a cute structure. There's an interval. So it's more like it's it's like a gig meets a cabaret meets a showcase, but it's also just really, you know, um, Mason who kind of booked me for this, like I've been given free reign and which they've trusted me with the space for a night. So I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah. And do you have to do every element of production are you figuring out the set the lighting so, etc is that where jared well, comes so in? i'm a band um which has also been yes. so fucking cool to do my originals that have I, i've got a drummer dave he's amazing and jono who's also like a theater writer and he's just a gun on the keys so we've got that plus the, the all the different stems from so it's so it's kind of sounds like a hybrid of the tracks that you're going to listen to on Spotify, but also with live instrumentation, which just lifts it. So got a band um, because it's in the beauty, like the Eternity Playhouse is beautiful. It's all wood. It's a theatre, so it's proper sound, got proper sound, proper lighting, 
it's just going to be like full production values, but a really beautiful, intimate gig. Like Odette played there. Like honestly, it's just going to be so lit. I'm I'm so excited about it. The, and that's in March. That's the fifth of March, and it's the last. It's the last weekend of Gay Christmas, aka Mardi Gras. So it's also going to be a really great like springboard because the final like parade thing. Well, it's not really a parade because apparent, but um, it's the Friday night, so you can Mm. kind of just like shelve your caps and just go into Saturday after my show if you want. (laughs) If you want, yeah. Is it going to be a Zoom option? I. I don't think so, but I think we'll definitely record it because I feel like we want to kind of, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, speaking of the big, the big C, as my friend Ruby calls it, and we're like, it's not the big C because it's cancer, but COVID. (laughs) I was like, wasn't the big C a TV show? I was like, need to stop saying that. (laughs) Not on mine. Um, (laughs) <laughs> um tell us about just like how COVID is affecting you working now so everything got shut down your contract has been postponed yeah it's- but now you're back doing it you're auditioning you're filming things hashtag secret yeah. project like how has it changed it's, re- it's really different I think because there is so much there's so much protocol to be on set you've got to get COVID tests which is important I think that's and it's also really good you're like yes I don't have it yeah um but uh the audition process has obviously been so difficult I think uh, for everybody like everyone in casting it's so and it's a knife edge you know like if one thing goes wrong if one border gets closed which happens all the time when there are just like small little um clusters that happen and that are bound to happen, you know, the border shut down, that postpones things. Like there is such a chain of command of, of all the, and there's just aftershocks of, of what happened. So it's mm. been a real, it's been really strange. It's also been quite strange um, in the room. Like you can kind of, you're restricted to being in a small little taped box and everything's on Zoom. I've done, I've been doing a, a workshop for, a new musical and all the creatives and producers are from New York, but they've hired a bunch of Australian actors to read the script and they're kind of editing on the, on the flight. Like it's, it's been amazing, but there's a wall of New York creatives on zoom who are all locked down. And the first week that we did it, cause it's been this ongoing thing. Um, they, they were like, oh, so if you guys want to, like, put on your masks or whatever, and we were like, oh, no, nah, it's actually heaps chill here, eh? Like, they, like, it's just, you just <laughs> see how different it is. So a lot of stuff has been on Zoom, which obviously as an actor, it's really, it's really hard. It's really hard because you're trying to give, a, you're giving a theatrical performance because the medium is musical theatre. But Zoom, you know, for a camera, it, it kind of alters how, how the room is, how it sounds, etc. So it's it's been strange, mm. but also it's been incredible to see everybody adapting. Like even like outside of our industry, like teachers just deserve so much praise because 
they've had to completely yeah. change how they educate everybody and every day. And I can't even imagine because, like, listen, I do like one FaceTime lesson a week and I'm like, wow, this is so hard. Like, you know what I mean? I can't imagine <laughs> having to double down and educate everybody and be on Zoom. So everyone's, it's just really shown. And like discipline. Well, yeah. Like, like you think I'm not sitting here like f- flicking through the socials and being like, mm-hmm, again, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> revealed myself. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, it's hard. It's, it's really hard and you have to stay hyper-focused. So everyone's adapted really well, but it's been a strange time for sure. Yeah. How was the, did you get a nasal? Yes. Spot? The chili poker to the brain. Oh. Honestly, I went to the one in Rose Bay cause I heard it was bougie. And of course it's Rose Bay. Um, and I just like <laughs> scream, 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 up in the thing. And the guy was, and I was like, um, I'm sorry. I don't need to isolate cause this is for a TV show. Um, and he was like, you need to isolate. And I was like, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah oh because have you guys had have you guys had the test or not i'm not oh, I'm not. you no, no i've had i've had one because um my boyfriend had flu symptoms so i was like damn it all we do is cash and then i had to have another one for tb but i've been pretty lucky like some people have had to have them all the time yeah, yeah. so gross. Gosh, I don't know many people scene. that have had um, tests. No, it's not gross. No, no, it's, it's socially responsible. Life outside of New Zealand. Yeah, I'm like, now that we're back, everyone's going to be like, huh, New Zealand, think you're so smart, mm, don't you? Stepping out that virus. Well, guess what? It's back. It is back. It is fine. Back right now. It's so fun. You guys yeah. look good. Fuck it. I get a tear. No, it's fine. And you know what they used to? It was like a chili poker to the brain. It was so bad. The first COVID test I got, um, the nurse was like, thank you so much for holding down your own arm. Because I was literally apparently like unconsciously like lifting my arm up to like swat her away, well, but holding away, yeah. my own arm down. <laughs> I was like, oh. um, because it went so far. And now they've got a shorter <laughs> one. So, cause they realized you didn't have to go so far. So the first oh. time I was like, you are touching my brain. And now it's just like, like, it's like if you're really deep Love diving it. for a booger. It's like a tongue oh, in yeah. the nose. Yeah. We yeah. put worse up our nose. hey so let's get into your life of the party what are you loving right now in life bringing you joy guys hopefully you've got a little bit of room in your schedule for joy right now my gosh Marie Connor like I've got to spark joy wherever I can so this is going to be super basic bitch but here we are sister loves some true crime who doesn't you can't be like a female in this world who doesn't love a true crime docuseries um I found this like master list of like the best ones and like you're like please if if you think I haven't watched the staircase in the jinx you're dreaming get out of here but I hadn't seen (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't seen I love you now die (laughs) the commonwealth versus Michelle Carter have you guys seen that guys no Tell Wait, this is the texting, right? Yes. Okay. It is okay. incredible. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know if I've... No, I have seen it. I have seen it. It's so amazing. Heartbreaking. And my favourite thing about a crime series is when you just... You are on the prosecution side or then you're on the defensive side. Then you're on... And, and it changes 
because it's not clear because it showcases the complexities of this case. So basically a teenager, Conrad Roy was found dead in his truck in 2014 in a Kmart parking lot and he uh, he died by suicide. Um, But then the police who were investigating it got his girlfriend's phone and there were a lot of text messages where she was saying like, you should kill yourself today, like go on, do it, get back in the car, et cetera. So from face value, it just looks like, oh my gosh, this girl's a psychopath. Like why would she encourage someone to do that, et cetera? Like she's guilty. She should go to jail. She also kind of presented like she lacked empathy. But the more that you kind of pull back the layers of the ca- this case, it was so dense and sparked such a broader question on mental health and responsibility and, you know, technicalities in the legal system. It was so incredible and it just it sparked so much discussion you know of like what do you think is right and I I was on Mm. I I didn't know how I felt except that it's just such a tragic case and it was semi-recent too so it was um yeah it it, was so you by the end of it you didn't feel like you uh took either side I I felt yeah at the start I was like absolutely and then and it's you know obviously the filmmaker um kind of turns the lens and and manipulates how you feel as the viewer but by the end you'd seen both the scope of the prosecution and the defense and it was so complex I I had changed my opinion but it it, there would I just it was I just kind of was left like gosh that there's so much to this case but it's heartbreaking in any way that you choose to look at it Mm. And it's also like a teenage girl who does not have the skills to talk with someone who is on the brink of suicide. Like, who who in this world except trained professionals actually knows what exactly? To say? And it, and I mean, obviously, encouraging it is. I not, think I think you just say kill yourself, get in the car, and kill well, yourself. she she yeah, loves this person, and he made her promise. He said he said, do not. If you tell anyone about this, if you call the police, if you do that, like, I will never forgive you. I will never speak to you again. So she was kind of in this, she was put in this position where she was like, this person feels all of these horrible, depressive, like these, all these awful things that I feel. And in her mind, she was like, you will be free. You know what I mean? So that it's just, it's, yeah, and she was also wow. like 17 years old. Like she had no yeah. friends. She had no support. And she was absolutely vilified like, and I think, you know, with the Britney documentary as well, it's like we keep applying this yeah, adult logic similar. and it's like, hang on a minute. Remember how you were when you were 16 or 17? You cannot apply adult logic to how you feel at that time. You you just haven't learned enough. Yeah. You're not developed. Yeah, it was really interesting. And mental health is a spectrum as well. Like in the Britney documentary, they talk about, um, they think what triggered her breakdown in quotations in 2007 was postnatal depression from her kids, but no one was talking about that back yeah. then. So it was like this whole part of the conversation missed, probably similar then. She just didn't have the skills to to cope with what she was being told. And like yeah. maybe and people she probably, following her, the paparazzi side of fame is literally bonkers it needs to be yeah. outlawed it's just like well, also I can't believe that they're allowed to follow that and that. also just her in interviews and diane sawyer being like are your boobs real and asking if a 17 year old girl is a virgin or not mm. are you kidding me 
That mm. is so negligent. Yeah. It's crazy to me. And you see the um the other um you see the other interviews of like Justin Timberlake and Insane, and they're like, so tell us about your single. And it's like, what is this patriarchal double standing? Like how the it's, it's such so bullshit. inappropriate. But and thankfully we live in a I different truly world. Hope that- yeah, yeah, but for God. Britney, she's living in the same world. She yeah. can't talk about any of this. I hope she's actually in interviews so um, eloquent when she can be, but other the rest of the time she's just hiding from these like being so embarrassed by these personal questions. Oh my God, yeah. she we so bad. Yeah, we've really we um, owe her. We a owe lot. her so much. Oh yeah, we fought. Yeah, we fought that because. We all were like, oh, my God, she's crazy. Have you seen her? She shaved her head. Truly. like, and, and we all fit into the narrative, which yeah. is, like, why it's important to now be like, oh, fucked up, well, sorry, it's... we should not. Not I, I'm talking about us, I... not Justin. His oh, absolutely, too up. little, too late. <laughs> um, but also yeah. just I think that and what 2020 did for us is it's it's about examining the system, d- dismantling the system, being able to um, really, really look at the systems that are in place because it's not these individual things. It's what is the system that allows these practices and, and allows this kind of stuff to, to fly. And when when we were watching mm. these things, absolutely, c- consent, um, you know, the, the discussions of like, slut shaming, internalized misogyny, all that kind of stuff. They they weren't buzzwords that I knew. Yeah. So of course we all just operated oh, no. within these systems that we thought, okay, yeah, that's appropriate. And yeah, she must be crazy. And yeah, but because there wasn't a broader discussion about what what's actually happening. And yeah. 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 It's crazy. The Bachelor at the moment, there's so much to get into, but the US Bachelor, like Chris Harrison. So there's this a girl who is a contestant. She's potentially going to end up being the one that The Bachelor chooses. He's the first black bachelor ever. And she went to, which is terrible. terrible. She went to a party in 2018, like a sorority party, and it was antebellum themed, like the old South. Yeah, yeah. And so she's been called out for it. And then Chris Harrison, the host, went on to Extra and was interviewed by Rachel Lindsay, who was the first ever black bachelorette. And just just like displayed his white privilege all over the place was like, yeah, Rachel, like it was, it was bad in 2021, but was it bad in 2018? I don't know. And just like has fucked himself. And, but they haven't even fired no, him. No, I They've think he's resigned like, though. Oh, he's going to take some time away, stepping back for a bit. Wow. And it's like, he needs to be fired. There's, and it's just yeah. white as shit. And it's like, guys, it's <laughs> I know. It makes me so yeah. mad. So mad. First Black Bachelor. What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck that it's taken so long? I know. Yeah. And he was, like, talking over her mm. and it's just bad, bad, bad. Yeah. That fully leads us in. What's yeah. Pig Too Soon yeah. for you? Oh, Pig Too Soon? Okay, guys. And I've been kind of toying with this this week because yes. I was thinking about it and I was, like, really asking myself, am I contributing to the problem by bringing this up? But, listen, this might not be as nuanced as I want it to be, um, but I've also drink, drunk two gin fizzes, so it's probably there's no nuance. Um, so, um, <laughs> the Skims Valentine's Day campaign. 
Okay, so it features a picture of Kendall, Kylie, and Kim, and they're in like this. I mean, literally, just like tiny patches over the yeah the nether regions. Like it's it's obviously like they're all look incredible. They look like beautiful sex robots to me. Like it's just like these unattainable, beautiful. And the first thing I thought when I saw this ad campaign, and you, you, and you know, I'm not an impressionable teenager. Um, Other eyes don't look like it. Um, No, I, I, I'm not. (laughs) And thank God, because even, even as a grown ass person, like it made me feel really shit because you, you. I, and I just, I it really made me think like, yes, this brand is kind of going for the inclusivity, body positivity movement. They're trying to tack onto that. But yet my issue is that they are presenting their heavily modified bodies and not being transparent about it. And it is ruining ruining our sense of self and what is achievable and what is not. And I just feel like Jamila Jamil and Clementine Ford and some really amazing feminist speakers and writers are, are doing such amazing things in this space, as well as obviously all the body positivity stuff and, and, and people posting, you know, unfiltered photos like properly and all that kind of stuff. And I just feel like it's irresponsible socially and morally not to be transparent about how, many body body modifications these three uh, or however many these three have had in order to achieve you know the look that they are now advertising as you know what what should should be able to be attainable it's not attainable for someone who doesn't have thousands and thousands of dollars to spend on body modification yeah and and the it's not a problem that they're doing it. Like fucking tox the shit out of yourself. But just be more honest about it. Like, yeah, I totally agree. Or how about I mean, I know she has put other people in her campaigns, but like put real actual real, real, real bodies in your campaigns. Have someone who's had a mastectomy. Yeah. Have someone who's a size twenty-four to thirty, you know, like who are you selling to? Because you're giving all your friends that shit for free who look like you. They're not paying for it. Well, it's just it's Im- impossible it. to look at those photos and not feel some kind of way. Like, like I, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to to be in a healthy, able, like, you know, body that, you know, I, I'm fit and healthy and whatever, but, like, it made me feel oh, God, I, I wish that I could have those dimensions that are so outrageous. And, like, you're right, good for them. I don't it, – it's not – because I don't want to toe the line of, like, body shaming at all because it's not shaming their bodies. It's just, like, the transparency of what goes into looking like that is not mm. just doing a 5K, like, twice a week. You know what I mean? And I, I think that it's really damaging, especially to the younger generation, especially to people who don't fully understand, who just grow up with these images as what they're supposed to achieve, that they're supposed to have an insanely small waist and an insanely big ass and then a very, very small cellulite-less legs and you know what I mean? And it's just so unreasonable and and it's it's difficult. If they were to come forward 
with saying like, hey, like Kendall literally tomorrow say she posted the photo and said, I have had A, B, C, and mm. D. I've spent this much money. I do this, 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 and this. Yeah. Do you think that the transparency would be healthy for people to read? I mean, that is a good question because obviously then it makes it seem like that's advertising body modification. Absolutely. But I feel like it's a different question. Like I feel like a transparency is, is important because. I think it would just make people really realize. What has gone in. Because yeah. when you're 12, like and you're on TikTok or whatever, you don't know, you don't have a concept of fillers, Botox, lasers, all that kind of no. stuff. And I think it's just knowing that, because all everyone wants is for people to love themselves and that's what they're being taught, hopefully. And so, yeah, I think it's just like, okay, that's cool, but yeah. this is what I've done to get to this point. Because yeah. I don't think I don't think it's any of them have been worse. open about any plastic surgery, other than Kylie being forced no. to admit that she's had lip fillers. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I also understand for for the for general public, there's a lot of shame that women have had to internalize, and you know, there's that unrealistic ideal of like you have to be beautiful but not know it, and you also have to you know, you have to like be able to eat with the boys, but also, you know, no one likes a girl who just eats salad, but then you've also got to be really, really skinny. And like, we don't want girls who wear heaps of makeup, but we also don't want girls who have bad skin and like just go out with no makeup and look so tired. So like, I understand that there's a lot of shame that we've internalized. And like, that's the reason why people wouldn't be very like upfront about having plastic surgery, but I feel like when you are the most followed person on Instagram, you owe it to society to not contribute to a problem that's already out of control. Yeah. And I think that I've forgotten my points. <laughs> no, it's gone. I was like, yes, yes, say that, say that. No, it's gone. Courtney did recently post about her stretch marks, which I was like, okay, thank you, Courtney, but that's not <laughs> yeah. enough. No. It's not enough. Yeah. And, like, mm, apparently the, they're all really comfortable, those pieces. So, like, show us them on someone else. Yeah. It is also sick that she just is continually making millions and millions of dollars. It's just like... We're all letting it happen. That's what I was going to say. It's it's just back to the patriarchy again. It's back to what the media showed us in the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s. That's why we feel this way. Well, and it's all glamorized. Because we grew, we grew up in the 90s with heroin chic. So I grew up being like, oh, God, I hate having boobs and whatever. And I've always had like an ass. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, rules have changed. Actually, this is what you want to have. And this is, and to think that it's not going to keep continuously changing and giving us goalposts, further goalposts that we can't seem to really like achieve, you know, it's, it, it's forever changing and it's, you know, we're, yeah. we're all products of how we grew up and the next generation are going to be products of, you know, the Instagram filter generation of just being able to look in your phone with an altered appearance where some filters pinch in your nose and puff up your lips. Like it's, mm. it's scary. It's really, it's scary that 
Yeah. That is scary. When you literally look at your phone and the filter's off and you're like, who the yeah. fuck is that? What the fuck is a pause? And you're like, oh my God, that's what I look like without a... Literally, I'm like, look and that's at the pause. Yuck. And it's like, their pause because that's skin. Like, a skin you're poor. texture. And you are so poor because you're a <laughs> but that's why it's important as well to like di- diversify what you're consuming. Well, I saw and like make. A, I saw a foundation yeah, ad. True. Like I saw a foundation ad with a girl with really bad skin, and I wanted to watch it like five billion times. And I was like, yes. I didn't want to say yes. the brand because I don't really. Wait, was it Kendall uh, Jenner from Proactive? <laughs> No, no, no. And yeah. it was this girl. She had quite uh, quite bad acne scarring and she had some acne there. And I was like, I was so shook for, for one because like immediately you go like, whoa. And then I was like, no, 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 this is, that's skin. That's someone's skin. That is the reason why, yeah. you know, you have boys say to you, you know, I mean, not just boys, but, you know, like, oh, you know, you don't need to wear a lot of makeup. Like, and, and don't really understand. But you're like, yeah, but you're used to seeing these filtered images that just aren't right. You know what I mean? Like, it's we're just so yeah. inundated with that. So it was really nice to see an imperfection because it's like, yeah, bitch, because if I didn't have imperfections, like, or like pimples, which aren't even imperfections, they're just like, hello, life. Like, yeah, I wouldn't be wearing foundation either. Like, there'd be no need for foundation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. Totally agree. And hopefully it sparked a bit of a conversation. Well, it is a huge conversation to have. Yeah. Because I I thought of it this morning and I was like, oh, is that going to make me seem like I'm body shaming or I'm contributing to a different problem? Wow. I didn't know. It's just so many different... Uh, there's so much going on in that one photo yeah. to talk about. Yeah. You know? like, the micro song I can't get behind. Like, just covers the... The clit. That's what Kim said. Covers the clit. Yeah, which is, like, fine if that's what you're... But I just can't imagine how that could be comfortable. To cover the clit? Yeah. It's, like, it's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think I would just rather go commando. 100, 100%. I'm like, what is that doing? Yeah. <laughs> what is that doing? Otherwise, yeah. I'm just kind of going up in between it halfway through the day anyway. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> you look so confused and you're like, wait, I know, I don't know you're what just it feels like. like. I don't know what it feels like. <laughs> I don't know what it feels like, but... With a couple of surgeries, I'd be willing yeah. to find out. Great. Love it. Hey, I think yes, it's time for the mantra. It is time. 2001 to 2008. So this is our segment where we... Where our lucky esteemed guests add songs to our banging playlist. You have already famously added uh, me and you, Cassie. That song just goes off in a really shit club dance floor, and it's only reserved for shit clubs. You have to be in a shit club for that song to come on, but then you're like, yeah. Like the one. Is it marquee that has the different levels? Like yeah, the different somewhere things? chat in Sydney. Like you've got yeah. to go to like a red room yeah. somewhere in Martin Place or like home, but like somewhere shit. 
Oh my God, Martin, please. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Outrageous. So, Erin Clear, what are you adding to our playlist? This okay, time guys, this is from 2009, but you know that I hate the rules. Like, hate them. So, um, Decode by Paramore. Okay, first of all, Hayley Williams is one of the greatest front women of all time. That bitch's high belt yes, vocal true. is out of control when she's singing it live like she is jumping like a maniac and hitting those top notes like she's amazing my sister and I went to um to watch Paramore and we were like oh yeah we can we're we're in general admission like we can hack this mosh we were in the middle and I'm not even kidding I had a full-blown panic attack because we were there really early and I didn't realize really with my hectic claustrophobia, like what a real mosh pit felt like, because I was like, it's like Teddy Boppers watching Paramore. It's not like I'm going to be crushed. Oh no. It was like a death grip around me. I was like getting surged like forward. My feet weren't touching the ground. I lost my mind. We made it the first song in the center before I looked at my sister and I'm trying to be the oldest sister, but I was literally like, (laughs) I'm fearing for my life and we simply must go to the side. Otherwise I will perish. And we just had to fight our way, but we made it one song in the center of the mosh before I was like, never again. And now I'm a down to the left of the stage forever because in the center of the mosh, I need to sickening this one. Who likes moshing? Like, truly, there no obviously one. is a whole group of people who fucking love to get amongst it and be tight and, like, sway with the ocean it's of like the those mosh. those people that do the fight Oh, yeah, the circle of death. It's so much more intense than that. Terrifying. Yeah, it's so Terrifying. crazy. It's like, how, okay, I get it. You weren't touching <laughs> the school. Like, that's cool. But, like, now's not the time. I'm here for a concert. Yeah, yeah nah. No, my yeah. bad. We love Paramore. So and there was a special connection to your show. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> the Paramore song. <laughs> the part of the show where it's pretty cute, um, uh, it's a, just a slideshow of um, my t- when I thought when I was 18 and I did a lot of amateur modeling shoots. So it really pairs well with the lyrics, Amazing. How Did We Get Here? And it's just a montage of my terrible, <laughs> like just doing photo shoots and just like I deep dove into my own Facebook of first of all my eyeliner application which was something to behold and second of all um how many fashion shoots I did with my friends just out in a field in a crop top like looking dreamy like it's something to behold so yeah that paired with Paramore really provides a good soundtrack for my shame yeah you have to send that to really us. Funny. It was really humiliating to compile, but I was like, if I'm not, ta- like, if I'm not taking a piece of myself, like, it's not my show. Yeah, so true, so true. Put it on your IGTV. Oh yeah, you'll have to show me. <laughs> Put it on your some, TikTok. Someone show me how to do it. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Well, we are so happy that you could join us for round two. We we have heard the single and it's really amazing. Yeah. And the cover art is insane. Yeah, congratulations on doing this. I'm truly like just inspired by you every fucking day. Like honestly, you are someone who has a focus <laughs> on what you fucking love and you're just going out and doing it it's not always easy 
It's no. not. It's mostly not yeah. easy ever, and you still just get up every day and fucking do it. And like, I truly uh, love you. I love you guys so yeah. much. I'm so proud. But to I'm know so you. proud of what you're doing with the pod <laughs> and Jason. What you're doing with the secret project and Steph. Like, just chasing happiness is such <laughs> a hard. It's just such a hard place to get to. Like, you backing yourself. I I champion my friends so much more easily than I champion myself and it really is a practice mm. and it's some it's not something that for me comes naturally and for a lot of artists it doesn't come naturally but you just have to start backing yourself and start going like even if people think it's shit, like who actually can't, like I very rarely sit on Instagram and see someone release something and go, oh my God, that's shit. I'm like, oh, good for them. I wish I could do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. Unless you just look at content and you're like, fuck, yeah. I wish I had that confidence. And you know what? It's point two of someone's day. You know what I mean? Self-promotion is so icky for me. I hate it so much. Yes. But like it's two seconds of someone's scroll. Like they'll scroll away and forget that it exists cool and if they like it that's amazing you know yeah give in to the imposter syndrome and the inner saboteur give it agent <laughs> saboteur good give, give into it so the single is called don't it, it will be out next month follow erin on instagram at the erin claire 22 for the release date, when it happens, obviously we'll be posting the fuck out of it, so don't worry, you won't miss it. Uh, the one-woman show is with the Darlow Sessions at the Darlinghurst Theatre. And if you're in Sydney, <laughs> I don't know how many Sydney listeners we have, apart okay. from you and Maddie, but hey, look, they're the only ones that matter. Go get a ticket, follow Erin, and... Support our boo. Yeah, get ready. Big things are on the way. Yeah, they actually are. <laughs> uh, we leave every episode with a hangover, but I think you've just gave it to us. Cover the clit. <laughs> 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 Bye. Bye. <laughs>